You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. We're speaking with Jeremy Lassen. He's the publisher of Nightshade Books. Thank you for joining me, Jeremy. Pleasure to talk with you again. Jeremy, um, both of us read uh, this recent article online about yet another article about the demise of books um, via e-books. And uh, although it wasn't mentioned, I think the sister to this is the free books that people like Cory Doctorow and Charles Strauss give away online. Um, and Amazon has recently come out with uh, an ebook reader called the Kindle. Uh, tell me, as a publisher, do you have any ebooks available now through Amazon? No, no, I don't. And I'm wondering, have you seen any of these readers? I saw the Sony Reader uh, when Charles Strauss came through town recently. He had the Sony Reader, and I saw it, and I thought, you know, it just, it was okay. And he, that was kind of his take on it as well, that it's okay, but it's not something you might want to read a book. It's something that might be convenient for carrying around text blocks if you have to check out text blocks, but not necessarily something to read a book on. I'm wondering, again, speaking as a publisher, do you see these little electronic devices, um, and even cell phones for that matter, and the iPhone, uh, replacing books? No, absolutely not. Not in the not for the, you know, near to long term. I think, you know, dead trees are a very efficient distribution mechanism and an efficient storage mechanism. I, I think people love their paper. Um, that, that said, I think there is going to be um, digital distribution of, of e-books. Um, I think it's going to be a small part of the market. Intel things, you know, frankly standardize. And because um, like you said about the... Uh, the Sony e-reader and even the Kindle, um, they try very hard to provide a book-like experience with add-ons, and um, they fail at the one thing that um, makes e-books good, and that's transparency and convenience. Um, cell phones, on the other hand, um, you know, the trend with cell phones is bigger screens, brighter screens, um, you know, better interfaces, and that type of thing. And so I, I think things are going to converge when there's a universal electronic device that everybody carries around with them. And, you know, when that device can, you know, has the, the right type of display software and hardware um, to give a book-like experience, then there will be massive convergence. But just the pressures of the marketplace. And, you know, Steve Jobs is, um, you know, a perfect example of this with the iPod. Um, you know, the pressures of the marketplace allowed the iTunes store to explode, even though there are many problems with the, the DRM content and stuff like that. It's the best-selling source of digital music on the Internet. And I think Amazon and um, the other Steve <laughs> is um, is trying to follow that model, but there just isn't massive pressure. There aren't, aren't you know, 90% of the readers out there aren't clamoring for ebooks right now, and that's why I think the, the Kindle will fail um, out the gate. 
Well, also, I have to admit that the pictures I've seen of the Kindle make it look kind of cheesy. The Sony at least looks pretty solid. The Kindle looks like it might fall apart if you looked at it wrong. Well, and that is a, a, a perception issue like that is a big deal because, you know, $400 is a, a pretty high mark for an electronic gadget that, frankly, does just one thing. Um, you know, we expect convergence in our electronic gadgets these days. You know, I had to think twice then long and hard about my next generation game console that I finally got this month, a PS3. And one of the reasons I got that is because it also does, you know, Blu-ray movies. But that kind of multiple tasking um, played into my decision of, okay, I'll buy it even though it's expensive. And for a dedicated e-reader, I think you're going to find that it's a, you know, for $400, that's a niche item. Um, uh, when when there is a piece of e-reading software that runs on the Nintendo DS or whatever its equivalent is five or ten years from now, that's when you'll have true convergence. And that's when I think you'll have the e-books reaching their, their biggest potential. Um, e-books, I think, have the potential to reach out to, you know, people who don't traditionally consume books who aren't consumers of books, who don't buy paperback books, don't buy hardcover books. Um, but, you know, they do consume digital media, be they MP3s, ringtones for their cell phone, um, and that type of thing. And I think once you get it, get it to the casual level of um, it comes with your DS, you know, frankly, as a publisher, that's something that I would look at is, you know, packaging up some of my titles with some, you know, games that have kind of crossover appeal. You know, if I was if I was Clive Barker's um, publisher, I'd try and get his new book published up with his, you know, distributed with his new video game if his video game had a handheld version. But, you know, that kind of crossover and reaching out to new new audiences is what's exciting about ebooks. Um that really is exciting. That's a great observation that the, because the traditional observation has been that we are losing a lot of readers to video games and maybe we can bring them back into the act of reading by just making it possible to read on the thing they're used to getting their entertainment from. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. There's, I mean, if you look at any modern you know, interactive games, the amount of reading of text on screen is huge. Be they, you know, be they on your laptop um, or online games like World of Warcraft or whatever, or be they just little DS, you know, time waster games. Um, I see this all the time with my sisters and um, my uh, my wife. You know, she she has a DS and she drags it around with her nonstop because it's it's for that fill in time. She's in line at the post office when she's waiting for something and she's stuck. You know, she just has a DS with her. It's part of her go kit. And there's a lot of people who have, you know, electronic devices that could do that. And frankly, I'm I'm one of them. I drag around a Trio smartphone with me. Um, I do read electronically, um, just for that purpose. I like having, you know, um, I read manuscripts on my smartphone just because I can put a stack of five or six manuscripts and read them when I'm on. You know, on the Muni train or on, uh, you know, in line at the post office. Can you tell me? Uh, have you investigated? Uh, again, as a publisher, have you investigated what it would take for you to publish your books electronically? Is it a lot of? Is it difficult? It's 
not difficult at all um, for us right now. It's a matter of uh, time and return on investment. Um, it's a marginal. It, Sales-wise, they're still small, and for the titles that we have, they would be small. Um, but it's it's pretty straightforward. You have to acquire the rights um, contractually with the author, and that means in their agent. That means you either have to pay more money or convince them that you know by having those rights you will generate additional sales, so that they don't you know so they're not losing anything. And um, once you get those rights, there are there are a lot of different resellers because uh, it's just like uh, it's it's the mod distribution model is shaking out very similar. You know, publishers, the model isn't to sell books off of an individual publisher's website. It's, it's like the iTunes store. You have a, a, a place where a bunch of different publishers um, make electronic editions of, the, of these works available, sometimes in new formats, you know, different compilations, or sometimes, you know, just repeat, doing the exact same thing that's available on paper. Um, there's places like FictionWise, to name kind of like an independent one that probably not many people have heard of. Um, that's where I buy. That's where I consume a lot of my e-books. Um, the Bain Digital Library um, not only sells uh, Bain books, but also um, has co-op deals where they sell other science fiction publishers' electronic books. I think they're working with Tor right now and you know Bill Schaefer, and they're working with a lot of different people um, because they have an existing base. And that's really where these these electronic resellers come in is they're they're a portal service. They provide, you know, reviews, a place to get everything, not just one publisher's work. So, you know, and Amazon, you know, is is the Walmart or they're the department store of online retailing and so them trying to get into the ebook game, I mean they've they've been doing that already. It's just interesting watching them do this vertical integration where they have, you know, trying to Follow the Apple model. Uh, we can transition from ebooks to uh, the free books rather smartly. Uh, today, on one of my mailing lists, the 40 in mailing list, somebody had mailed in a, a, a comment that they bought the latest Sony Reader and they managed to download um, Charles Strauss's Accelerando mm -hmm. from it and read it for free. But as a result of that, they went out and bought several. Charles Strauss paper books, you know, the Dead Tree version. And I think that that's one of the most interesting uh, phenomena that happens here is that you start reading something online, but God, I don't want to print out a novel and I don't want to read a novel on my screen. That would be crazy. Right, right. Or, you know, it's it's that, that gateway drug. A lot of people are willing to try something that they've never tried before for free rather than pay for it or for extremely low cost. And um, it's an unintuitive, you know, destination. But um, again, um, Bain, the Bain, um, the Bain model of digital books has really proven this to be the case. Um, they've been pioneers in giving away uh, electronic versions of their book. They have an entire section of their, you know, of their online presence that is the um, free digital library, and they, you know, they package up first novels and series, and they have a very strong economic interest in, in kind of like giving away that first book of a series, you know, because a lot of their, you know, bread and butter is serial fiction, is, you know, novels that are part of a six, seven, eight book series. So it's not, it, like I said, it's totally unintuitive, but it seems to have 
been demonstrated quite clearly that, you know, giving away a book generates paper sales. Giving away electronic books generates new readers for that product. And, you know, touching on kind of like that reaching out to new audiences, I think a lot of the the audiences for, I don't know, say, Charles Strauss or Cory Doctorow, um, these are people who are reaching out to a readership, you know, that that aren't necessarily traditional readers. These are, um, I, I refer to them as the, the Slash Daughter tribe. These are very technologically, you know, focused, inclined people, and they aren't necessarily avid readers. There's a, there's a big subset of them that are, but reaching out to that group of people within that community that aren't avid readers and getting them Yet. to buy your books, that's the victory. That's the, like, the really amazing part. And just as a, a, a tribal action, reading books electronically is, you know, kind of like part of their, you know, part of a culture of like cutting edge, you know, being out on the frontier of like what technology can allow us to do. And so, you know, getting that group of people to um, read your, consume your fiction, to buy your fiction, you know, is, is, is a, a marketing coup because these people are tastemakers. These people lead the way. So, you know, it's it's an interesting, it's great to reach out to a, no, a new audience that hasn't traditionally bought books, um, but then to reach out to an audience that, you know, are kind of tastemakers. Um, that's, that's kind of like a, you know, a hat trick there. And Charlie Strauss and, you know, Cory Doctor in particular have done a really good job of that. Could you talk a little bit about what kind of fiction, is anything available for free on your website? Uh, no, it, not yet, but we are, in fact planning on following the Bain model. Uh, we've been in the process of a major website upgrade and um, hope to have that done by the end of the year. And we actually have been in negotiation with a lot of our um, authors and their agents to get um, a lot of free content, uh, particularly for uh, books that are part of a series or have recurring characters or something like that, because um, I very much you know, want to kind of follow the path that you know, the Bain, folks at Bain um, have Kind of led led blaze the trail on, and so I do expect to have, you know, Creative Commons releases of of a lot of our books, um, you know, within the next year. Tell me a little bit about the the create. Let's talk a little bit about Creative Commons because it's not exactly the normal kind of copyright um, distribution that we're used to. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a license that is modeled after. Um, the open source software movement, um, and it's I think specifically modeled after the GNU license. I'm sure a lot of listeners will correct me on this, but essentially what it allows allows me to do allows me as a publisher to do is to retain copyright, and you know allows authors to do is to retain copyright of the work. I'm not making this public domain. I'm not giving it away. The content is still owned by the creators and me, the licensee. Um, but I'm allowing a viral retransmission of the work um, to take advantage of, you know, things like peer-to-peer networks and file sharing and word of mouth, um, you know, to allow the work to propagate on its own because digital copies are free. And in today's world, you know, getting somebody interested in your work is is the hard part. Um, so this allows new avenues for people to, to discover it and find it and um, access it with ease. 
Um, and so basically it says that anybody can retransmit and repack and, and redistribute this work as long as they don't claim authorship, and as long as they don't, like, you know, alter, you know, the text. And you know, that's the sense, there are different variations of the Creative Commons license, but that's at its core. The author retains the copyright, but he's allowing people to, he or she is allowing people to, you know, spread it far and wide. And one of the, I think, highly intended consequences is, is that you're putting this uh, free first-time drug in the hands of people who have enough disposable income to spend time on the Internet. Well, I mean, actually, that's one way to look at it. Or the other way to look at it is, um, I mean, I hate to say this, but a lot of people spend a lot of their day jobs... <laughs> reading stuff online, be it two or three minutes of, you know, Boing Boing or CNN headline news or whatever, you know, favorite blog or live journal or, you know, thing is that people spend reading. Um, and if you, you know, time is, is, you know, the most precious thing, not necessarily, you know, how much money somebody makes. And so if you can put your, your creative work in front of somebody's nose, um, when they have that free five minutes or ten minutes while they're waiting for a meeting or waiting for a file to print out, or the millions of different situations that happen, you know, in everyday offices where people are stuck behind a computer all day long and they have Internet access. You know, that, hey, that's where all these uh, LOL cat, you know, all these crazy Internet memes come from. And if you can make your creative work, your novel, um, you know, part of that, that kind of culture of consumption, you've got a leg up on, you know, everybody else who doesn't. We've been speaking with Jeremy Lassen about ebooks and free books. Thank you for joining me, Jeremy. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Good talking with you again. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.